morning. My name is Andrea Smith. I have the privilege of being the pastor here at West. If you're worshiping with us in person this morning, we extend a very special and warm welcome to you. It's like the first Sunday of summer, technically. School's out, and so we are so glad that you are here. mainly to worship God, but we're also glad that you're here because we are this thing called a no huddles kind of faith community or church. So what that means is periodically the message is shorter and then afterward we go do something that's going to make a difference for someone beyond ourselves. And today is one of those such Sundays. In a little while we are going to go and we are going to finish because there was this amazing team of people that showed up here yesterday morning to clean up the stadium after the graduates. We took all the chairs, the nice hot black chairs uh, that were out in the noonday heat and put them uh, on these stands. But there are like water bottles and papers and things and uh, my Mike Shire has been gracious enough. His truck is sitting there. So if you would join in together in a little while, and let's just go be like locust in the football stadium and finish cleaning up. It saves the school system around $1,200 when we do this. So it's one of our ways of giving back to them. They do so many things for us. They cut our rate here. We get a great deal. And so I would just ask that you help us get that done today in a little while. And uh, I really am just so glad that you're here. Today feels like the most schizophrenic day of worship for me ever. Uh, at 8 o'clock, I, went, I had the privilege of going to Davidson United Methodist. Today and next Sunday, across United Methodism and our annual conference, uh, is moving Sunday for a lot of people. It's like the last time they'll be preaching in their current appointment. And a mentor, a dear friend and mentor of mine today, after 39 years in ministry, preached her last sermon at Davidson this morning. And so I wanted to be there. Typically, we wear jeans here, and it's very casual, so uh, this is not high church in any wild stretch of the imagination, but I think you figured that out when we sang Don't You Forget About Me just a few minutes ago. So like at 8 o'clock, they had songs in Latin and uh, African spirituals. It was beautiful, and then we just did some 80s music. So I do feel like it's been the most schizophrenic morning of worship, but I am so glad that you're here because today we are going to talk about just that, that God does not want us to forget about God, and we don't want God to forget about us. So it's like this two-way street. And the way that we do that is we simply just exist and be and, you know, live into what is known as the heart of God. Now, if you've gone to West for very long, you will know that uh, we do not refer to God as a man or a woman. We believe that God is genderless and revealed God's self to us through the person, the gender of Jesus Christ, and that now God exists on this earth and in this universe through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about God, we do not uh, refer to, if we use physical attributes, They are metaphorical. And so this morning we are talking a little bit about living into and existing in the heart of God. And that that's how we find peace and joy and contentment in this thing called life. We live in a time that is absolutely just chaotic. And people are climbing ladders and trying to, you know, be very successful. And everything is at breakneck speed. And and frankly, we have a hard time just resting and being still. Even the way that I preach and and the way that I talk, it's fast, it's intense, and we know that we need to keep your attention, so we need to use multimedia and all these kinds of things. And, And rarely do we just take some time to exist and just be. And prayer does that for us. 
I think oftentimes we look at prayer as like a vending machine. You'll see our example of this up here in the video that you saw a little bit ago. We think of prayer as like we go up to this vending machine and we press the button that we want. You know, like do we want uh, money? So if that's the case, then we pray for this and then we just wait on it to happen. And so lots of times when we look at prayer that way and it doesn't happen that way, we end up being the people that are frustrated. And we become disillusioned. We feel like God is not listening to us, that God does not hear our prayers. Or perhaps we carry uh, painful memories from our past, things that we've prayed for, and and they worked out exactly opposite of the way that we wanted them to. And and then we begin questioning, you know, God, where are you? Are you real? Do you hear my prayers? And, And sometimes we feel like we're not worthy. We feel like we've got so much junk and bad stuff in our own hearts and minds that we're not worthy of praying to God. So this morning, for a few minutes, we are going to talk about and explore what it means to pray and how we just exist into the heart of God. We believe that God is love, plain and simple. And if we were going to put human words around something that is not human, around something that is divine, that is the best word that we can possibly use to describe God. It is just all uh, infinity love, uh, the most powerful love that we could ever think of. That's what God is. So when we talk this morning about existing in the heart of God, it, it just means to exist in love. Now, how much better could our lives be if that's what we did? If we just existed in this place of love, love for ourselves, love for creation, love for our situations, and love for one another. How, how much better could life be? So how do we do that? Well, it's really actually very simple. Prayer is very simple. We are the ones who make it complicated. Uh, 24 years ago, I entered in ministry at a place in Morganton, North Carolina as their choir director. I was their 10-hour-a-week employee while I taught school. Scott and I had just gotten married, and it was the first choir practice of my career there, so I really wanted to impress everybody and, and do a great job. And at the end of the rehearsal, I knew we needed to ask for prayer concerns. And so if you've heard me tell this story in small groups or whatever, just bear with me. Uh, It's very pertinent to the idea of prayer. At the end of rehearsal, I said, you know, who has a prayer concern that you'd like to share? And so a few people raised their hands. And then one of the ladies in the choir said uh, that she wanted us to pray for this lady named Donna, that on her way to choir practice that night, she had been involved in a pretty significant car accident. And would we please pray for her? Well, that was, you know, very leveling back then. And so there were no cell phones or anything. So no one really knew how Donna was doing. Yeah, I'm that old that I exist long before cell phones. But uh, so we are sitting there. And so we just stopped right then and, and prayed for Donna. And, you know, there's this pressure that this prayer needs to be powerful. And so, dear God, you know, thank you for this rehearsal. Thank you for these people that are here and the love that they share with one another and for you. And we just ask right now, God, that in this moment, you be with Donna and you just surround her, you know, and help her heal. And, and dear God, please let her car get better. And after I prayed, dear God, please let her car get better. 
I mean, my face got red, and then I just started stuttering and stammering, and it was like a snowball that was going very quickly and getting much bigger. I don't know what words came out of my mouth after that, but I thought, these people are going to fire me after tonight because they have hired this, you know, spiritual person that has just played prayed for an inanimate object to magically get better. That's that idea of a, a vending machine kind of God. You know, God is not going to swoop down and go, ta-da, and, and her car magically heal. It, it doesn't work that way. Then about 15, 16 years ago, I have lost track of time by now, but I moved to Williamson's Chapel, and I was going to be their associate pastor. Now, I always said that I would never start a church and that I would never serve a large church. And so both of those things have happened. So one of the lessons from that is never say never, because if you do, then probably you end up doing it. But at Williamson's Chapel, I had no idea that there were three different worship services when I went to interview for the job. They wanted me to be their associate minister, their minister of congregational care. And so I went and I, it, it looked like this small country chapel church, uh, got offered the position, was so excited. And then after that initial interview, I'm sitting with the pastor and he said, now here's what your role in worship will be. Every Sunday in each of our three services, you will lead what is called the prayers of the people. And that's where you stand up and and you read the prayer concerns and then you offer people from the floor a time to share what they would like to pray for and then you lead the people in prayer. I thought, okay. Well, in the United Methodist Church, we have lots of these things called liturgies. They're things that are written out for us to say. We don't do them here at West uh, because they feel for the leadership here and for me a little disconnected. Some people really connect to God through, through things that they read out loud. That's not who we are here. And so uh, at Williamson's Chapel, though, they were a more liturgical kind of church. So I get out this thing called a book of worship. And it looks like a a hymnal, if you know what that is. It's a church book with a lot of songs in it. Or it was thick like a Bible, and it had all these different prayers and worship services in it. And so I studied for that prayer. And on my first Sunday, I wanted to really impress the senior pastor and, and the people. And so I got up there and, and started doing the prayer. And, and, you know, unlike many Sundays after that, and if you've been here long enough, you've experienced this, I screw up quite a bit. Uh, I ended up calling Lake Norman Regional Lenore Ron Hospital at one point. I mean, I just kept messing up during those prayers. But the first Sunday, I nailed it. I got it all right. I said everybody's name right. And, and when I sat down, I was like, yeah, that was good. After worship, you know, I was looking for accolades from the senior pastor. And so he waited until Monday, like any good boss. They don't slam you right after it's over. And uh, so he comes up to me, and on Monday in the office, he gives me some affirmation. And he said, I just need to ask you one thing, though. What was that prayer? And I said, well... It was, it was the prayer of the people. And he said, where did it come from? I said, well, it was in the book of worship. It was like, you know, this prayer for illumination and, and all these kind of big words. And, and I said, you know, I thought you'd be happy about that. And then his next words to me were what changed everything about how I view prayer. And... It was what I would offer to us today to sit with and meditate on as we go throughout communion in just a minute and through the rest of our week. He said, Andrea, 
We did not hire you or want you to read fancy prayers or memorize fancy prayers from the book of worship. We just wanted you to be you. And I said, but that could go either way. (laughs) And he said, prayer is just authentic conversation with God. And the people that wanted you to come here and lead us, they want authentic you, not big fancy church words. You know what happened over the next however many years that I was there? I mean, crazy, crazy things would come out of my mouth. But we were all in it together. In it, experiencing the presence and the peace and the joy and the love of God. There was no prayer that ever went so poorly that we could not experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in that place. I told you that I went to Davidson a little earlier this morning, and, you know, it's a very different style of worship than here. Uh, They had orchestra and handbells, and and it was was very high church, if you know what that means. It's it's fancy. And uh, so I was sitting there and and not really knowing what to anticipate, a little intimidated by the five- to six-page bulletin that had lots of words and, and songs that I don't know. And then Sally, my mentor and friend, she gets up there before any note was ever played or sung, and she just said, we're here today to experience the presence of God. And I know that right now, right here in this place, through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the love of God is here. So I invite you to encounter that love. The next hour of worship was so powerful That's what worship's about. When we come here or when you worship with us online, it's about living into and experiencing the presence and the power of God, which is love. And the way that we do that is through prayer. Prayer is not fancy words. Prayer is not necessarily, you know, reading something off a piece of paper. Although if that helps you encounter God, then by all means do that. Prayer can also be reading scripture and then meditating on it. But for me, a simple girl from Sawmills, North Carolina, prayer is just being who I am and saying what I think to God. And it's in those moments of vulnerability that I connect with God the most. C.S. Lewis said that prayer is not what we think we ought to bring to God. Prayer is just simply bringing our authentic selves to God. So who are you right now authentically? How are you feeling today? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you bitter and disappointed? Are you confused? Do you feel alone? Wherever we are on that spectrum of emotions, God is there for us and wants to hear us. 
I think it's powerful if you read throughout Scripture all the different people that, you know, cry out to God. One of the great examples of this over and over again are the very many prophets that exist because they were like the voice of God to the people. And so what they would do is they would speak on behalf of all the people to God because before the time of Jesus Christ, the the Jewish people, the Israelites, did not feel like or think they had direct access to God. So they felt like they had to go through the priest and, and connect with him in order to get to the divine. So all throughout the Hebrew text, the Old Testament, we can find prophet after prophet, you know, uttering these words to God. And and they're very humbling to read. There's so many different stories. But this morning, I just briefly wanted to share with you this one from Jeremiah. He is a, a powerful prophet with a big voice. And he says some of the most beautiful words that we have in our, our Hebrew scriptures. He, he says, you know, God, you have knit me together in my mother's womb. You knew me before I began. That's one of the most beautiful passages of scripture that we read at, at baptisms. But then he was having a bad day. And he was really frustrated with God because he felt like God had deserted him and, and let him down. And so I want you to hear this passage of scripture this morning and this prayer. And may it be for all of us a reminder that wherever we are in our path of life and wherever we, we are experiencing whatever emotions, that all we have to do is just be willing to be authentic to who we are and we will connect with God. Hear these words from Jeremiah. God, you pushed me into this. I let you do it. You were just too much for me, and now I am a public joke. They all poke fun at me. Every time I open my mouth, I'm shouting murder or rape, and then all I get from my God warnings to them are insults and contempt. But if I say forget it, no more God messages from me. The words are like fire in my belly and a burning in my bones. God, I'm worn out trying to hold it in, and I just can't do it any longer. But then I hear them whispering behind my back, and they say, There goes old danger everywhere. Shut him up. Report him. Old friends watch, hoping I'll fall flat on my face. They say, One misstep, and we'll have him, and we'll get rid of him for good. You ever felt like that, that like your friends are no longer your friends, they're frenemies now, and, and that if, if you do one wrong thing, they're, they're not going to have your back? Ever felt alone and, and hear the whispers that go on behind your back and, and just feel like, you know, nobody's really your advocate anymore? Well, that's how Jeremiah was feeling. And so what did he do? Did he wrap it up in a bunch of pretty prophet, preacher, churchy words? No. He said, all right, God, I'm a joke, and it's your fault. You called me into this mess, and now look, look, everybody's turning their back on me, and and here I am. Thanks a lot. But the really, really cool thing is that after he says all those words of, of anger, he said, but God, a most fierce warrior is at my side. And those who are after me, they will be sent sprawling. They'll be slapstick buffoons falling all over themselves. A spectacle of humiliation 
no one will ever forget. Jeremiah knew that God had his back. And Jeremiah knew that if he would just exist for a little while and be his authentic self, his angry self, his hurt self, in the presence of God, that God would hold all that. And God would wrap it up in love. Prayer changes things. That's the bottom line. Sometimes I think we think it needs to change our circumstances. But I promise you, if we'll pray, it always changes us. The circumstances beyond our control, they they may not change. But we do. We change. And prayer offers us that change when we're willing to be vulnerable and authentic and just say whatever it is that we think. God is a big God and holds it all together. Jesus complained. If Jesus could, we can too. Scott and I have always been blessed with friends in our lives that have helped raise our children. We joke that it has been a tribe of people, and that's one of the things that our son Andrew said when he graduated, that you know he has been raised by a tribe, and that is so very true. Early on when they were young, we had some friends that had much older children, and so we learned a lot of our parenting advice from them. I'll never forget one evening, uh, the the friend of ours was sitting and talking about her high school daughter that had come home after prom night and shared some stories and perhaps some things that she wished she had done differently if she could have prom night to do all over again, some underage drinking and partying and and things that just, you know, she really wished she had not been engaged in. So she comes home and she sits down with her mom and she tells her mom everything. Her mom was confiding in me and said, you know, as she was sitting there telling me all this, I just kept thinking, I don't want to know this. I don't want to know this. You know, she said, I felt like I wanted to put my fingers in my ears and and just say, you know, stop. I don't want to know. But then in that very moment, I realized, wow, actually I do. Because how cool that she's willing to sit here and tell me these things. That's a loving parent that's willing to hear the difficult things and the things that perhaps she or he did not want to know. God is our loving parent. And God is willing to hear all of our things, even when we are angry and when we're hurt and we're bitter and we're disillusioned. And also when we look in our lives and we see joy, God hears that too. This morning, will you offer to God your authentic self? Offer it to love and then let love through prayer change you. Will you pray with me, please? I want us to pray for all the clergy people that are moving in the next couple of weeks, like Sally. 39 years of ministry end for her today in an official capacity. It's the last time she'll ever preach a sermon as a senior pastor. And I learned this morning that every church she was ever appointed to, she was their first woman clergy. And so that's just an amazing legacy to leave behind. And so, uh, so many of my friends are moving this year and, and their churches are sad. They're sad. So I just would like for you to join me in praying. 
for them right now, if you will. Gracious God, you do bestow on us your love and your strength and your grace and your peace. For all the the pastors that are saying goodbye to people that they love and love them, I just ask that you give them all the words that they need this morning so that it is a a God-filled worship service for you. And then, God, show them the path that you would have them to take as they lead forward. You're an amazing God. And, God, as we leave this place, let us rest in you. Let our hearts and our minds rest in love. And let us find peace that comes from being at one with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, with all that warm, fuzzy God feeling, let's go pick up some water bottles, okay? See you in the stadium.